Hi everybody, uh, it's been a while but I am back and today I have a huge, absolutely huge guest, um, Sarbit uh, Johal. Uh, we're gonna talk, I mean he is like the, the biggest cloud guru that I follow on Twitter. So uh, I just love his uh, posts about, you know, all those cloud companies and Snowflake IPOs and, you know, things like that. So we're gonna uh, talk about the, the cloud uh, subject today, which is really fascinating to me from uh, understanding the technology standpoint and also from the investment standpoint, because obviously there's uh, a lot of opportunities uh, in the public stock market to uh, find those uh, jams uh, that you know can get you, you know, 10X in five years uh, if you invest into them uh, these days. So uh, Sarit, welcome and uh, thank you for taking time. Uh, why don't you, uh, you know, say a few words about uh, yourself. Hey, Vitalik. Um, thanks for giving me the opportunity to talk to you and your audience. Um, I'm glad to be here. Um, uh, about me, actually, I've been doing technology for the last 25, 24, 25 years um, since I landed here in the U.S. Um, I'm originally from India, born and raised in India in a small village. Um, and... Uh, yeah, I studied math in bachelor's economics and master's. And after that, I was pursuing my PhD, which I left in between and came to US. And during those years in master's and my PhD program, I was doing some programming. And when I came here, I joined a software engineer job, a software coder job. You can say as a coder, I joined AT&T writing software for McDonald's Corporation in Chicago. That's their headquarters, Oak Brook, Chicago, mm -hmm. and um, wrote code there and gave me a lot of confidence and working, you know, um, next to his AT&T senior engineers and all that stuff. And uh, rest, rest is history. So s since then, I after that I joined um, Visa International, full full time job, and that was a contracting job about a year with uh, AT&T, working with McDonald's, um, and then. Uh, then Visa, after Visa, I went to a company called Commerceone, which was a B2B darling of dot-com days. We went public during dot-com days. Um, lots of money, you name it. So flying <laughs> around all over the world, you know, in so many countries, putting up the B2B exchanges. Very we nice. It was work hard, play hard kind of a, mm -hmm. um, time back then, like working, you know, 14 to 16 hours a day. I would say maybe 12 plus hours every day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it was crazy um, and then um, after after Commerce One uh, dot com bursted and Commerce One started dwindling it went down gradually so after five years there I went to PeopleSoft um, um, here in the Bay Area it's not a big area actually by the way geographically mm -hmm. so it's the same pool of people like move around you know? right right it's like those it's like those bees you know you see those bees <laughs> that move in like I had these groups. Um, that, uh, like that's what happened. Mafia. We, but, uh, yeah, mafia. <laughs> the, yeah, yeah, Commerce with Mafia, actually. They're spread across uh, so many companies right now. I, I saw some people at Sumo Logic yesterday, my first level contacts, they're Commerce with people. And I also I saw some a uh, couple of people um, at uh, Snowflake, and, and they're all over the place here. It was pretty decent company size-wise. Anyways, from PeopleSoft, I went to um, back to Commerce One uh, for a short period because uh, somebody bought the IP 
and then they were trying to revive the company after it went mm-hmm. down, right? And um, they brought me uh, in to revive it. And then uh, that was bought by Perfect Commerce in Kansas. And they wanted me to move there. I said, no way. I can't leave Bay Area. So, and uh, I went uh, uh, after that to EMC. And from that point onward, actually, first uh, about 12 years, I was doing uh, product development slash platform development. So I was a coder at heart, pure techie, did uh, customer-facing roles and the product development, like writing code, mm-hmm. a lot of code, right? Uh, but then uh, after PeopleSoft, when I joined EMC, I went into this different world, which is more like operations world, right? Ops. Okay. So applications to ops. More it's back-end database, uh, da- um, sorry, data centers, um, Knox. Um, I will visit the data centers. And we did, uh, my team, I built a team from scratch there which did more than 150 data center audits throughout the world. There were more than a million, million servers uh, were audited for what they're running and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and gradually those audit, audits were, first those audits were done to rationalize the data centers, right? Like how to condense it, how to save money, right? Um, and, and to move from one data center to another. Consolidation and rationalization, that's what we usually use the term, right? And uh, EMC has big practice there now, Dell EMC. So uh, they do a lot of work in that area. It's high margin, high risk kind of business. Like mm-hmm. they, because you're, when you're moving a data center from one place to another, things are work and you have to ship stuff and and it's like a not, not very um, clean kind of work, but it's uh, kind of it's sort of messy. In, involved contracts and, and uh, downtimes and all that stuff, right? It's like, right. Um, yeah. So that's why it's like margins high, but not everybody does it. So there are mm. only few companies who do that. So my team was working with that data center moves team to to help them out. Um, I don't want to go into the product history. It was Israel, Israeli company, EMC bought. And that's the technology I was, I inherited to do the work. So I ended up working on the product side also of that uh, technology, going to Israel a few times and worked with engineers and stuff like that. So from that point onward, actually, it was all ops. After EMC, I went to VMware. From VMware, I went to Rackspace because Rackspace wanted to do cloud assessments. We were doing cloud assessments at VMware at that time. It's about uh, 12 years ago, 11, 12 years ago. So um, then uh, um, after Rackspace, I went to Oracle. When I told somebody, uh, uh, SVP at Oracle, I met at uh, Oracle Open World. I said, I'm building the Cloud Center of Excellence for for uh, Rackspace. And this Oracle exec says, that's the exact thing we want to build. How much money do you want? Da, 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 da. And <laughs> I joined. I actually outgrew of, of uh, outgrew of my role at at Rackspace, and I was in in Bay Area. Rackspace was based in uh, in uh, San Antonio, mm. so it was a good time to move on. Okay. Um, so um, and I got some raise, and I joined. Uh, I rushed actually. I made a mistake. To be honest with you, I rushed into a role which um, I landed into an area of uh, Oracle where it was like I, I got cornered in a way. I was in. Uh, alliances and partnerships, global alliances and partnership divisions, a senior director of uh, cloud architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told them, I don't want to manage people. I will be individual contributor. 
you can give me whatever title um, and, I, and I knew what I would be doing. So, and they gave me that title, so it was all good. But after some time, uh, I realized uh, that I'm in a corner of the company, not the core. So mm. then I started building the bridges with the core, the head of our public, uh, our sorry, cloud, uh, cloud um, uh, head of our cloud division. Uh, and then uh, gradually uh, we started moving on a little bit, but then we didn't have the action. The Oracle Cloud, everybody knows, um, is a kind of the, there were some missteps in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So it was based on the Nimbula technology. Um, and um, that didn't sort of work, it didn't scale, didn't, and it was being sold as in bulk also. So it's different sets of problems. After I left Oracle, I uh, invested some money into uh, an incubator here, a startup incubator, and I spent one year there, a lot of time, concentrated time there, brought it to life, and I tapered my engagement off that. And for the last about three years, I do independent consulting, speaking, mm-hmm. uh, idea. Uh, I'm, I'm working on a couple of books in parallel. Like I have the outlines of those right now. It's a lot of work. So that's what I do. Um, yeah. Awesome. And uh, being in the in the room when the OpenStack was being open sourced, uh, being in that team, in those teams, close to those teams, you can say, and at VMware when we were giving the our technology to to um, service providers, right? Cloud providers, um, uh, vCloud director and all that. Um, I was there also. So being there, I, I can understand how, I actually understand pretty well how cloud providers work and what their challenges are. And working with their customers through them also know what the problems and challenges uh, customers face and uh, mm-hmm. and having done so many data center audits uh, gives me visibility into what a mess are, um, there um, out there is right so yeah, thousands sure, of yeah. applications and um, being a developer connect me to developers so I'm very hybrid sometimes I had a hard time explaining people who I am <laughs> <laughs> I'm a developer uh, operations uh, like a uh, business developer who are you so yeah, just that it's a challenge. I live, in, I live in the cloud. I spend most of the time in the clouds. Yeah, if you don't I, understand, I, I, you know, go Google the cloud. Right? <laughs> I recently did a tweet. I was like, I I um I breathe that uh, technology in such a way that uh, I mumble cloud cloud, <laughs> uh, and um in my sleep, and my wife thinks it's uh, gibberish. You know, it's like, she's mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? Like. <laughs> it's seriously I, I can't go to sleep sometimes it's a blessing and a curse like mm-hmm. oh you can do this that way why not this way it's like yeah yeah good stuff life is good yeah absolutely I liked how you uh, put it you said you were in the corner of the company and then you started building bridges to the core of the company that's a really uh, cool way to put that I'll probably use that in my you know future um, <laughs> discussions with somebody sure um, so Cloud, uh, absolutely fascinating space, growing like, you know, nothing else. And uh, obviously, you know, everybody's aware of uh, the biggest players, you know, AWS, Azure, uh, GCP. Um, what, and obviously, you know, we're not going to talk about stuff that uh, can be easily Googled, uh, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. market share, whatever, it's boring stuff. Uh, yeah, good idea. What, uh, what, 
trends, uh, and I'm pretty sure you can Google, you know, cloud trends, but what, what trends do you personally see uh, that's going to happen to the cloud industry in the next five years in terms of some, you know, fundamental shifts? Like, you know, we, we, we know that more and more companies go in there. I mean, this is a trend, but it's a pretty straightforward trend, right? But, you know, in terms of, uh, like, you know, smaller companies trying to eat uh, big companies' lunch, you know, kind of dismantling them at the database level, right? Like, you know, MongoDB, Snowflake, uh, versus those, you know, monsters, AWS, uh, that are trying to be everything to everybody. Um, what kind of, uh, you know, trends in this type of uh, domain do you see? Yeah, that's a pretty loaded question. I think, um, yeah, I, being a student of economics, actually, I keep in mind like how the how the economy works and how innovation happens and how the bigger companies get lose track of what where they were. They were small at some time, mm -hmm. right? Bigger companies were small at startups at some point, and they used to move faster. And what happens is that as companies get bigger, they accumulate uh, all kind of uh, kind of debt, like sometimes called technical debt. Yep. It's a very known term in our, mm -hmm. our, our areas, you know, uh, in our domains. But all kind of debts, cultural debt, and, you know, they, they become a little bit slow to react to stuff because they have a legacy now, right? AWS, as compared to Amazon, uh, sorry, uh, Microsoft or others, they didn't have much legacy in cloud, right? They started with a clean mm -hmm. slate, and that right. they had a huge advantage. So that's why, hence the growth. And nobody actually took cloud that seriously also in the beginning. That's why they are number one leader. They had like seven, almost seven year lead. Everybody knows that, right? And you can Google that too, I guess. <laughs> so, um, but I think, uh, I also like uh, sort of marry that thinking with uh, that pattern, if you will, with uh, theory of disruption, which came from Harvard University, uh, from Clayton uh, Christensen, uh, who's not with us anymore. Last year, he passed away. Great, great um, uh, guy who wrote a lot about innovation. Mm -hmm. So he talks about like, how the big companies get toppled. These, these small guys come from the bottom. They go to the, what, what he usually calls it, uh, non-consumers. People who are not using technology from these big guys because it's very non-reachable or too expensive or too cumbersome to learn and all that stuff, right? So these, these guys come from the bottom and create a very simple solution, which a lot of people can hop onto. It's cheaper and simple. In other world, I will give you an example of Zoom. Mm. I actually, I think, I think Snowflake is the Zoom of databases. It just gives you simplicity. Like we mm. just struggled. Okay, we okay. By the way, guys, like we we just when we want to record this um, this podcast, we struggled with uh, with uh, Skype, right? And, uh, and Google I, Meet. I couldn't. I, and Google Meet, actually, I clicked on that. That, um, that was, I think, still, I think it's still better than Skype, to be honest with you. Oh, to be honest with you. But there's a, simplicity, there's a simplicity matrix, metric, if you will. Like, how simple is your technology to consume? I call it accessibility normally. Mm -hmm. Maybe not a right term for in, in many ways, but, but how accessible it is. Like, how easy it is for you to get into it. Right. Mm -hmm. what, what is the barrier to entry for a normal practitioner to get their hands onto your technology? So I think the, the, the companies which understand that they do very well. I think, uh, 
Yeah, and 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 snowflakes of the world, and uh, there are a bunch of others in in other like in the data science um, uh, sort of arena. Um, they they are trying to create the simpler solutions. Simplicity wins um, over complexity, right? And uh, it's um, there are two camps actually. This is how I see it. There are two camps right now. That we have what I usually call meta uh, platforms. So like means like a platforms of platforms. That's Amazon, mm, AWS. Okay. Mm. That's Azure. That's Google Cloud. Those those kind of people. Like and now IBM with the Red Hat. You know, mm-hmm. that kind of meta platforms. You can build on top of that, right? Um, and the companies sitting within those companies. You know, Netflix sits with Amazon, even though they compete kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So those meta platforms have a lot of, uh, kind of they have flywheel effect, if you will. And there's a new term I'm I'm coining, uh, maybe it was already said in a different way. I call it feature proximity, right? Feature proximity. So when when you are using some technology, a platform, right, for certain things in your enterprise, let's say you're cooking up an application, which is CRM, or SCM or whatever that is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or, or, or a system you're just creating for yourself, right? Just for your own company only. If you are in a niche market and you want to create something. It, it can be a social media platform like you guys are doing, right? So, um, so you, you will pick um, a set of technologies. Hold on, I lost my thought. <laughs> Maybe we can chop this area like once you edit it. Um, where sure. I was going with it. Uh, uh, meta platforms. Yeah, meta platforms, yeah. Platform. So the feature proximity, yeah, is that coming back to it? You can leave it as is, actually, it will be more <laughs> mm. uh, uh, like uh, authentic. So feature proximity is, is, is the idea that when you are doing certain thing and then now you need another thing, like now you need to scale or yeah, now you need to go global, now you need to do, you know, uh, uh, multinational, like different languages, whatever that happens to be, mm-hmm. um, you need another set of capabilities. And you will most likely go to a company which has that thing next to it, right? So that's why we shop at Walmart, Target, you know? So, yeah, like, like groceries, and you also buy some clothes or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, you, yeah, there's a lot of stuff there. So, you right. go there once and then you pick mm-hmm. up a lot of stuff. Uh, that's why there's no like shop for just selling toothpaste, right? right? They don't know. You will never find a shop with just sells toothpaste. It's in somewhere else shop, right? So that's what's happening to the software industry. Uh, and we are turning hardware into software. Most of the stuff, right? We know that servers are software now. Mm-hmm. Um, storage is software, right? Sure. means like you can get as, that as a service, right? Right. So, and now we have these shops or these these meta platforms where you can go get the stuff, right? So I think they're succeeding because of their weightage, their economies of scale and specialization, all that stuff. Where on the other side, there are some, you know, sharp there are sharp brains all, all over oh, the place, absolutely, right? Absolutely. So they are saying, okay, how can I use their shop to my advantage? Their meta platform to my advantage, and they're sitting in their shops, right? So for example, slow snowflakes. Snowflake actually uh, sits in Amazon's marketplace, right? AWS marketplace, and Azure, and and Google and others. They will sit in multiple uh, Ooh, sort okay. of shops. So um, they they are they are cross 
uh, meta platform plays. And then when you are that, and everybody's looking for portability, right? Right. That's why we have Kubernetes on the compute side, right? Um, and it does a poor job on the storage side and the database side and the network side. So basically there are three things everywhere, right? Compute, network, and storage. Mm -hmm. Those three core components of computing, right? So uh, Kubernetes does a good job with compute, right? A little poor job with uh, with uh, storage. And you, I mean, it doesn't do uh, that good job with, with the network side of things also, right? We know that. Mm -hmm. So network is also always the last sort of frontier. But anyways, I don't want to go into that deep, okay. confuse the listeners. But like to answer your question, I think there's a room for both kind of companies and um, we will we'll see some innovation going on in the periphery of cloud and um, yeah. But But having said that, I think these big guys have huge advantage. So, so they can crush these smaller companies um, mm -hmm. with a small move sometimes. Uh, if you were, let me give you a hypothetical scenario. If you were a CTO of a major corporation and you can pick the one that you like, you know, it can be Target, it can be Uber, it can be a major bank, uh, and you had, you know, let's say unlimited budget or, you know, reasonably large budget to uh, build out the uh, IT infrastructure of the company. What kind of cloud stack uh, would you have and how would you uh, distribute that between you know, vendors? Would you pick AWS to cover absolutely everything or would you pick a combination of you know, AWS, Kubernetes and uh, Snowflake? Uh, and uh, you know, why would you make uh, those kind of choices? Yeah, uh, another interesting and loaded question, I guess. I, I think <laughs> um, the the right answer is it depends, right? Uh, okay. I'll give you an example. Um, we were brought in to present to Walmart Labs. It's pretty old story, so I can say mm -hmm. that like it's not a like a secret or anything. So from Rackspace and the. I believe the only reason why they didn't go with uh, <clears throat> with uh, Amazon at that point was because they're Walmart. Like they right. go, like they have to fight like a crazy sure. Amazon and Walmart, right? Makes sense. Otherwise, they could have gone with them because Amazon is clear was the clear leader at that time, and we were number two for some time. Um, you will be surprised to know that at Rackspace we were number two cloud for some time. Before. Well, I do remember Rackspace was pretty big like yeah everybody was talking about rec space but then they just kind of disappeared <laughs> from the from the view yeah yeah I, I i can tell a lot of stories about why we disappeared from the radar and all that stuff but um yeah so they just hired the cto of paypal cto of paypal left and joined um uh, walmart labs to mm -hmm. build their next gen uh, e-commerce uh, site which is walmart.com, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then they had a bunch of, uh, he brought in a bunch of his like army, like we were talking about mafia. <laughs> and then he, he took, <laughs> took some people out of that with him. He took those people with him from PayPal and some other people came in and some other people existing at the um, uh, Walmart labs. They joined and formed a big team, a decently decently big team i'll say decent team um 
and they were sitting idle. Like they, they if they went the normal route um, to prepare the servers, they will take from seven to 10 weeks to do that. Like somebody writes a requirement and then somebody yeah, uh, sends it to all these that get the codes and then pick Dell or HP or somebody else as a vendor, bring it in, rack, stack, run the wires, like, like you know, the power. It, it just Sounds like time. a nightmare <laughs> it's from the dinosaur age. Yeah, yeah. It seems like people still do. I mean, they hardly anybody does that, but people are running data centers. Even, I mean, actually, there are data centers at the end of the day, but they are highly um, um, specialized, um, mm -hmm. concentrated. Actually, actually, the hardware is getting concentrated into the cloud service providers world. Actually, that's what it is. Um, unless you're like Facebook, you have own, your own data centers or Google, you're serving from your own, your own data centers, right? Yeah, so to answer your question, like what will you pick? So you will pick a cloud provider. In my view, if I was that person, I will not try to do multi-cloud because it's very um, like, you know, it looks good. There's a lot of people overhead. Yeah. There's a lot of overhead. Like I will rather pick, go with one. Most of the people should go with one vendor unless there's a the requirement uh, for data sovereignty point of view mm -hmm. or or vendor's viability and the vendor can go down and what will we do right. or price negotiation for price negotiation kind of point of view. Mm -hmm. Like I can twist um, Amazon's arm if I'm also working with uh, Azure, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but those are the few reasons. Otherwise, like from, from tech point of view, you, I think uh, as a um, practitioner, pick the best tool you can. But at the same time, the feature proximity matters. So you want to go to a store which has most of the stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, even though it may look very fancy to go to a store, like if you're looking for paint, you can go to Calimore, right? Or you can go to Home Depot and they have paint and all the stuff like you need to fix your home. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, so it depends actually what you want to do. And it also depends the age of the company you are at, like you have a lot of legacy, that means you have a lot of stuff already in-house. What technologies do they know? Are you a Microsoft shop traditionally? Are you a Red Stack, Blue Stack, you know, Oracle shop, Microsoft shop? What, what kind of stuff you have right now? What kind of systems or record do you have? Do you have Oracle Financials or SAP? It, it, I think it all matters actually. And then what are you trying to write or do the new stuff, right? So are you trying to go into the new market? Are you trying to create new systems of innovation or you're trying to polish the old ones? Are you, you know, going down the market? You know, it, it matters. Like it, it should be business driven conversation first, like what we're trying to do and then see like what technology you can do to accomplish that. I think that's uh, where the discussion should be. Having said that, I really like, um, Gartner's uh, pace layered approach to applications at any enterprise. There are three types of applications mm -hmm. systems of record, systems of uh, engagement. Sometimes I, I call it systems of differentiation. I like that name better. And the third tier is system of innovation. Three tiers, right? Record, system of record, system of uh, differentiation, and system of innovation. So the first thing is like all these ERPs. Right, HR, your financials, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Even part of SEM is part of that. Supply chain management is partly 
system of record and partly system of differentiation. CRM is, I think, mainly system of differentiation because you can do better service than your competitor. Your like GM versus Ford, they do things differently and they run their factories differently. They program their robots differently when they make the cars. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. a differentiation from one to other. But uh, uh, a GL entry is a GL entry. Like it's just everybody has the same thing. A, they hire a person, they hire a person, they give them bandwidths. That's the same thing everywhere, right? So that's system of records. The third thing is where the, most of the cloud, public cloud consumption happens, systems of innovation. You want to experiment, right? You want to create new applications. You can start with a clean slate every day if you want. Right? Every week, every hour, you can clean it up and then start again. So you pay for as like pay for the those hours or even minutes, even seconds now, like only for that period when you use that compute or storage or any like networks, right? They have cost to egress and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So so the barrier to entry has been lowered. So in this Walmart example, they wanted to write this, the news site from scratch. They're starting from scratch and then they want to get going with all these developers sitting on the bench. It's costing them money, right? And time to market is very important as well, right? And um, I think there's so many factors, like time to market, what legacy you have, what do your people know, how many people you can train, how fast. Um, but when you're moving legacy, workloads, which is systems of uh, differentiation or seasonal record to the cloud. That's a different discussion altogether, I believe. So yeah, I, I can talk that, about mm -hmm. that for hours because hmm. I've done a bunch of migrations too. So uh, it's interesting you said that uh, Walmart is rebuilding the .com website from scratch. Uh, do you know yeah. if uh, they are using or you know planning on reusing some or parts of the jet.com that they bought, like they spent 3 billion or something. Yeah, this this discussion when we were brought in from Rackspace, it was prior to jet, jet uh, oh, gotcha. acquisition. It was prior, oh, you know, gotcha. that we were number two a while back, not, <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when that was, I think, uh, what was that? About not eight, nine years back, something like that. Seven years, maybe seven to nine years, somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. um, Brian Joaco was with me, one of our star performers at Rackspace, um, and a bunch of other team we were presenting to them. So yeah, it was, um, yeah. So they have, they were rewriting the Walmart.com. Actually, if you notice, it has been improving over the time gradually. Mm -hmm. That still doesn't have that kind of usability or the appeal or the simplicity like Amazon.com. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Right? Yeah, but neither uh, does, does target. It's just not. Neither, neither does target. Yeah. yeah, I yeah I think they they stick to their sort of old branding colors and all that. But they 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 don't value design usability. I, that's sort of even. I think on the back end they're pretty good, right? Um, yeah, saying, culture is yeah is a big factor here. Culture yeah. is a big factor. Yeah, who's running those shows? It matters, and then right? you have all those people who have been there for 40 years and because uh, I mean I've done some some consulting too I mean especially like you know Kuwait yeah. you get to those retailers and you say well that's the better way to do it and they're like well we've been doing that for 20 years and it works good you know why would we change it <laughs> and you're like okay let's go to lunch you know <laughs> 
Yeah, actually, I think that's where the leadership comes in. Like leadership puts their so, sort of foot down. It's like we we have to do it look differently now, guys. We it's, it's a new world. Change for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If I was Walmart today, I will I will tell them to kind of leapfrog Amazon and say, hey, just do a separate site which is not blue and all that clunky colors and all that stuff. You know, make it hip. Um, and do the voice-based um, procurement. Like, hey, send me some two, you know, um, you know, these rollerball pins and just order through the voice. You know, just what can you do? You can do it. It just, it takes bold, I mean, boldness and, and some mm. money uh, and experimentation, actually. I always say this, that the, the difference between high-performing companies and and you know, or, or average companies or low-performing companies is that the high performers do experimentation at a higher rate. Mm. They, they experiment mm. a lot more. Right. Um, that's the that's fact. Yeah. I mean, you just look anywhere. That's what it is. Yeah. The, the Dyson mentality, right? Uh, but yeah, they are private companies. They can afford all this uh, experimentation, public companies. But, okay, that's a good, good comment, actually. Some public companies are run like private companies. Like, like Amazon, right? Yeah, like Amazon. Bezos can do anything he wants. Yeah, and like, like see, Steve Jobs actually never gave a damn about the top mm. stock price, and he, he will not right. say that, like, as bold as Bezos says that. But Bezos, look, I don't care, right? Um, and and some people are sort of exploiting the rules and like you know all the stuff to 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 get bigger market share. Means like, for example, these guys never pay any any federal taxes and they're growing like crazy they are mm-hmm. more than trillion dollar companies right uh, apple is two trillion now uh, you will be surprised to know that the companies like salesforce never pay any even penny and oh yeah i mean it's, it's a totally different discussion it's crazy yeah, yeah. so that, it's like the good companies know how to do engineering well and they also know how to do financial engineering really well. Really well. Mm-hmm. It means like, it means like loop, exploiting the loopholes. And some old style, naive kind of leadership, they say, oh my God, this is the quarter end. We have to show these numbers. Da, 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 da. Like they are just shrinking because they play to the, the market, right? And these guys are just like, no, no, just invest like crazy and bold bets. And, and, mm-hmm. and then after a while, they build this flywheel effect you know and then it kicks in right. and then like look at tesla you know they're a pe like you, you can look at the higher PEs. those are the companies which invest like crazy but i so seriously being an economist i don't know for how long that can go on like that but there's end to it at some point right you can't fool the market all the time or fool the system all the time the valuations point, are flying high I, I i don't know i mean people stop caring about p ratios and things like that it's yeah 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 at some point i think um it, it, they will be brought down a little bit um, but by the time they will be huge and at by the way by the time they will be scrutinized and they're already being scrutinized I'm sorry, we're going into this other discussion mm-hmm. around the cloud, cloud discussion, but um, they will be scrutinized for their size and their heavy-handedness and all that stuff. Like now, right now, feds are investigating Google, uh, Facebook, mm-hmm. and they they did. But it's not the done first time, right? And they just did, they pay yeah. the five billion, whatever is like chip change for us, and they just move on, and the stock goes up after they you know pay five billion. It's, it's like ridiculous. No, actually, that's that's a trend with the Europe. 
Europeans fine and kind of leave them alone for some time. Mm-hmm. And um, but you have, when U.S. goes after you, they drag you down for a decade or so. Like that's what happened to Microsoft in like late '80s and early '90s. So they were dragged down for a long, long time. They will not be able to get up and do the stuff they used to do because we're scared to do some stuff like which will look outrageous to the market, right? So I yeah. think, I bet uh, senior execs at uh, Amazon are uh, thinking about any move they make. Like, will it make us look even bigger or even more bully? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, and, and they actually use uh, the verbiages in, you know, uh, quarterly calls or in any interviews. They just try to diminish their size by, yeah. you know, picking those, you know, um, calibrated sentences prepared by their marketing PR teams that, you know, like, for example, Google, uh, you know, they don't say uh, we have like 90 or whatever percent <laughs> of the search market share. Uh, you know, it's only, yeah, they just come up with something that, no, they, know, they, no, they, 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 they will highlight the areas where they're very weak. They'll say like, Oh yeah, you know, exactly. 2% of the social media. <laughs> right. <laughs> what about the 98% on the other side? Yeah. They don't, they just highlight the areas where they were yeah. kind of weak in. Yeah. They don't diffuse that concern for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump back to the cloud discussion. And I mean, those uh, deviations from the core conversations are totally cool and awesome. Um, if you were starting a company, a startup in the cloud uh, space, and let's say you raised, you know, enough money to do whatever you need to do, what, what kind of opportunity would you uh, start as a company? Like, you know, do you see any gaps right now? Like, for example, you know, Snowflake came out with, you know, great user experience of DB, you know, like, you know, easy to set up and things like that. What, what are the major pain points right now with, you know, setting up cloud where you could come in with a solution uh, and uh, everybody would pay you whatever you charge just because it's such a pain for them uh, currently. Is there uh, a gap like that? Yeah, I think there are gaps everywhere. Actually, any industry which uh, is 10 years or older uh, in software, especially, it's, um, it has a lot more thing, um, chances of improvement, if you will. Right, because um, things improve, and then when you build on based on certain platforms, uh, they become stale pretty quickly, and you can't change under underneath the structure quickly. So a new thing comes out, um, out, and then you can do things faster, cheaper, better. Right. So there are opportunities everywhere, but but from my vantage point, with what I usually think about day and day night, is the our ability to not being able to automate the infrastructure for the applications, right? So that means like taking cloud to the next level. That means getting the, squeezing our our hardware even more. That's what cloud lets you do, right? So mm-hmm. you have like a million servers. Are you, are you using those overall, let's say, bunch of companies are using million servers, right? If they're using all those individually, their utilization rate might be around 40 to 60% somewhere. That's, that was normal prior to cloud. Right, right, right. Uh, very low utilization rate. Means like so machines are sitting idle for, mm-hmm. you know, 
yep. 40 to 60% of the time and 40, 60% of the time they're used, you know, so like you flip it, you know, it's hundred percent. So, um, same with the storage networks, it's less of that concern there. Right. So from those three core components, like we need to get more out of our hardware investments, I believe. And also it, helps us in reducing our cost, even if you're, especially when you're using the, somebody, third party's services. Um, so we can even do better. I think what, what, what we need in that case is the policy-based computing, what I call. For example, I'll, I'll give you an example of data. Actually, data is the king everywhere. Like actually, we should always start with the data when we're talking about the, about the digital transformation or any type of transformation, we should start with the data, right? Mm-hmm. So just take a look at the data and the, and the security of that data. So not all data needs to be secured with the same kind of security measures. Sure. That's the fact. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Right? We have log files. We have our product catalogs. We have our transactional data, which might have some PII data, which is personally identifiable information, mm-hmm. like it's private data for right. people. Uh, so it, the data falls in different categories, right? So once we find the categories of data, the data sort of um, um, categorization happens. And if we know, once we know in our systems, we can tag it, but this is that type of data that that's like tier one, tier two, tier three, tier four. And then our systems, which persist that data, they can find the right storage for at the right time for the right type of data that will go a long way to reduce the cost on the storage side, on the security side and all that stuff. So we are paying a lot more uh, on, average, on, on average than we need to because we don't have those policy-based computing constructs or systems built. And we need to get there and we're not there yet. So um, policy-based um, uh, security, policy-based uh, compute, policy-based uh, comp- uh, storage, right? So we we are we are getting better with the policy based compute right now. Kubernetes is that right? It can shrink, expand your mm-hmm. uh, uh, footprint based upon what the needs are, right? But uh, storage and uh, networks are still lagging. So we we st- we still have a long way to go. I think starting co- like uh, companies in that area that will go go a long way, and also the. Another area which is very hard, um, we were just talking yesterday on Twitter and, and yeah, Twitter mainly, uh, and when we talk in personal with, with people, is that the data-related companies are getting a lot more attention, and rightly so. Right? Mm-hmm. So, like mining that data, running machine learning on top of existing data, and the current data, um, we, 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 like, uh, yeah. I, I think we are not even touching 10% of the data right now. We're not leveraging that. And by the way, by data, I I think we need to change the definitions. Like we need to change our understanding around data. What is data? Like the sound files and video files are also data right. these days. It's not only the transactional, you know, uh, you know, data in the relational databases. There's a lot more data around us. So kind of, you know, going back to the question and, you know, taking your answer, if I understood correctly, you know, that policy-based thing that you just explained, 
if we translate uh, what you said into a potential startup with a product that would fill some gaps in the cloud industry, would you say it would be some kind of a AI layer that would, you know, constantly dynamically calibrate your, you know, usage, your data security, your, you know, all those things. And, you know, if there's API to all those data providers from this uh, AI layer, they could, you know, just dynamically make those decisions, you know, reduce this usage there or uh, up the security for this data or something like that. So is that kind of where you were going with that? Yeah, exactly. Just if you if you had an ability to label certain data with certain like tier, if you will, mm-hmm. and and, and the engine behind the scenes that can data. move the data from, for example, Amazon already does that. They they are way, way ahead because mm-hmm. they think about those things. Right. They think about policy based computing a lot. I can tell you that for sure. Uh, smart cookies, call <laughs> them. So they um, they have the the S3, they have uh, the Glacier, they have all kind of different kind of tiers of storage, right? Right. So, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's up to you to move the data to those different tiers. Some tiers are already very cheap, actually. Like yeah, they're yeah, one yeah, fourth yeah. of the cost of the mm-hmm. another tier. It's yeah, at the end of the day, it's data, right? So, mm-hmm. if you need the data very infrequently or not frequently enough, then you can put the data in some some very cheap bucket, right? Cheap kind of storage and so they they understand that i think that's what i'm talking about and i think the honest is still on the consumer it's hard for consumers to move that stuff around right now but mm-hmm. it will not be hard as we build better uh platforms uh and mechanisms in in future we we are we are always working on those kind of things like it's just a matter of time it's not it's not if it's just a matter of when mm-hmm. I'll give you another hypothetical scenario because I, you know, allow those things. Uh, as you can tell <laughs> by now. Um, okay. If you were uh, given a an offer, a role like the CEO uh, of either AWS, Google Cloud, or uh, Microsoft uh, Azure, um, and let's say you know all things equal, the pay, the perks, the 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 power that you have, basically full control of that uh, technology and the business unit. Which company would you pick? That's thing number one. And then thing number two, which two or three major changes uh, or innovations uh, that you would implement in your first year to, you know, either maintain the competitiveness or increase the competitiveness or improve the product experience or you know the product stack uh technology stack uh what would the, that be yeah that's uh by the way i like all the c-level c-level titles <laughs> yeah talk tell me who's hiring in those old and i'll apply there so yeah actually it's um i i for some reason like the underdogs i always did um so i will go to some company which is suffering a little bit then one which is already leading, right? So rather than going to Amazon, I will go to Google Cloud, for example, mm-hmm. right? And rather than going to Amazon Core, um, I'll go to Walmart if I'm doing e-commerce, something like that, or Target, right? So that, because there's there's a lot of chance of improvement and you can make 
Oh, yeah, thing, yeah. some changes quickly and then get back for your buck kind of thing, right? So, but um, also, also knowing that the culture plays a huge role in, okay, I, I, I always like, I, I usually, when I was very young, even like even in 10th grade, and you know, in high school, maybe in the middle, I don't remember those days, but I, anytime actually I can remember from the past, I, I used to sit with older people, very old, like, like, you know, 70 plus or like very old crowd. And then they will tell you the wisdom, like they can summarize the life in one sentence. Seriously, they can. Um, and uh, if, if there are young listeners, guys, like pick some mentors and uh, not one, but few. And yeah. then, uh, you, and then, then focus on the ones you like working with and pick their brains. Um, nobody wakes up in the morning and says like, I'm going to mess up. Nobody. Right. And the same applies in the business world. Nobody wakes up in the morning. It's like, I'm going to give my market share to my competitor. Nobody. Mm-hmm. But they still end up doing it. Right. They still up doing, end up doing that. They still end up messing, messing up. And I think the reason is that the circumstances and as um, we can sometimes give it, different names culture this that right um being at the right time uh, with the right people and all that stuff but i i think culture is um uh, i don't know if i can use those terms on this podcast and, and culture is like very complex right it, it's 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 a uh, cumbersome thing to understand and change oh, absolutely. so so i think knowing I, I when I when people call me as um, recruiters call me right I always ask who who uh, I'm going to work with team is very important right I need to know the names I need to Google them I need to take a look at their LinkedIn mm-hmm. profile like what they have done in the past what they are doing right now and of course like I need to know the company name some some recruiters call like I can't tell your company name or you must have heard that it's like <laughs> okay, please don't call me it's next time you funny, know yeah. yeah so it's like I need to know uh, what the brand is and then means like I can I can see the culture overall but believe me within the company especially if it's a, if it's a big one um, the different divisions work differently so uh, I've seen it time and again um, and companies um, are led by another piece of uh, uh, pattern recognition I can give the viewers is that when you're looking at a company look at their main DNA I've seen that some companies are sales driven, some companies are product driven, uh, or you can say engineering driven, and mm-hmm. some companies are market marketing driven, right? They are marketing machines, right? Um, some companies have a good mix of all those three. Mm-hmm. Um, I can give you examples. Like VMware is totally uh, engineering driven company. If you're a member of MTS at VMware, which is a member of technical staff, anywhere you're like a king or queen there right but if you're in sales nobody cares because most of the sales are done through channels and stuff from vmware right Um, at emc if you're part of sales you're king or queen if you're product whatever so it depends right um so yeah look for the company culture like which which sector sect of that company which group of that company dominates in that company take a look at that if you belong in that sect you know if you're an engineer software engineer 
and you're in a B2B software, you will naturally gravitate towards VMware, right? So if you are in sales, um, if you have salesy mindset, even if you're coding, so like you think sales are very important also, then you will go towards VMware, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're very marketing kind of focus uh, and, um, and, and somewhat product and then you'll go Salesforce or something like that, right? Or, or Apple, depending on what you do. So uh, take a look at the DNA of the company and that, that's what I, what I will do. Um, that was your question. Did I answer your question? Well, I said, or did you know, I dance around it? Be, be between you know AWS, Azure, and GCP, where would you go if you were offered the position of the CEO? Oh, I will go to GCP, um, knowing the 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 brain trust they have, the the future. Um, Dion um, and from uh, uh, um, Constellation Research, right? He works with Ray Wang and that group. Uh, and Diana and I was, were talking in February um, this year in San Francisco at RSA World that uh, the program programmers will morph into more like data science. So, so they're like gradually over, let's say, ten years from now, we will we will have like a lot more data scientists. Uh, kind of like what's 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 a core thing behind AI? It's like machines will code their own code. That's what it is, right? So we don't have to write the code. Machines will code. It's autom- automatically code generation, if you will. And that's what it is. That's what data models are. That's they train themselves, right? Mm-hmm. Right now we, we write if and if, if then else kind of stuff, right? In code. But then that machines are writing that themselves, right? If this happens and then that happens. So, um, and then in keeping that in mind, I think the future is um, data science. And um, into that we are going into that direction, automation, uh, pattern recognitions, and uh, I think um, I think Google is underdog in cloud, and and they value that, and they are open also also like open uh, more than cloud systems. Um, so yeah, Google. Hey Google, if you're listening, <laughs> what the- actually they they have called me a few times, and I, that didn't work out to be honest with you, and. Uh, now a bunch of my friends. I actually, then I, I, I didn't even look at them for the last two years, but now a bunch of my friends. Their head of the, the cloud came from uh, um, Oracle. Uh, he's my first degree of contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, time to brag. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's a uh, bunch of Oracle people are there now. A bunch of Amazon people are there now. Oh yeah. A uh, bunch of Rackspace people are there now. But actually, a lot of Rackspace people are there now. My buddies, they work at all. Um, sorry, at um, Google Cloud. Good stuff, actually. They're doing pretty cool, cool uh, work. But um, they have a long way to go, by the way. They don't have much boots on the ground. Um, boots on the ground are important for B2B sales, and mm-hmm. Amazon understands it. They're trying to fill those positions. And um, yeah, the, yeah, it's it, it, things are kind of going like, people listening can't see it my hands they're crisscrossing so mm-hmm. um uh the older companies had had boots on the ground means like sales people going to people making shaking hands with cios and having relationship and selling that way right and then on the other side cloud companies never had that like only first developers started using the public cloud and gradually it it went from developer core like individual developers to line of business from line of business to it now so when it goes to IT, you have to have relationships. Sit down, 
let's talk about bigger deals, multi-million dollar deals, right? Like a like a 10 million MRR like monthly recurring revenue or 20 million every month we pay you. Then we have to know some rules here, right, guys? Like we need to to know that we need to write uh, custom SLAs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's another big discussion in cloud. Like bigger the hammer, more you bend means. Um, SLAs mostly are non-negotiable with cloud companies. But if you're spending, let's say, 10 million plus a month, bigger customers, right? Some people spend 100 million plus a month. Um, You can ask the cloud company to change the language uh, um, through legal uh, department Mm. on those contracts and change the liabilities and stuff like that. Uh, It's a fascinating world once you start uh, working uh, in that area or with the cloud provider, you know what kind of negotiations go back and forth from what kind of customers. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop there, I guess. Mm-hmm. So if you were offered the CEO position of Google uh, Cloud, uh, I assume based on what you said, one of the things you would do in, in your first year is to increase that footprint of boots on the ground, right? To leverage the B2B sales channel. I will, yes, I will do that and I will focus more on the developer, sort of developer marketing, developer advocacy group. And another thing I, I preach to the market, um, gradually building these kind of narratives is that it's like, I also think a lot about like which companies do better, right? We talked about that earlier, but you can do more experimentation. And another pattern in the software industry is the, the companies which can throw a lot of education at the practitioners, right? They do a lot better. So educate, educate, educate. Mm-hmm. And I always see marketing as a means for education. And that is through the developer advocacy programs, give them a lot of sample code uh, in different languages, SDKs, all that stuff, you know, reference architectures. Amazon has mastered that game. Mm-hmm. Another thing is uh, I preach to the senior execs of these kind of companies is that I don't know if they're listening or I think someone listening and because I, I hear back, echoed back at me that it's age of micro consumption, what I call it, right? So when you're releasing software, uh, you want to release it in micro chunks, software Absolutely. or whatever product, right? micro chunks, micro chunks, right? So what that does is it makes it more, more consumable by by the by the consuming entities like if somebody like we traditionally used to when i was people soft we will release um, every big release every two years or something like that and then every six months some patches every year some you know a mm-hmm. bunch of patches and like a, there was another uh what, what did we call that um service pack right remember the service pack patch and then release that hierarchy mm-hmm. that goes from top to bottom. So um, that time, that those things are gone. So like we used to release like, okay, we're releasing and this release of software has 222 features in it. That bullshit, right? And who can consume that, right? The who can, can like do that change in their company within next six months or one year like are you crazy but if if you give me a feature every week especially the one that you really need that solves your pain point and then you can pick and choose right if you do like five every month i can pick one which uh, i'm not overwhelmed 
Mm-hmm. But I'm not spending two months to decide which one from 200. Like I, yeah. I'm spending a day to decide from five kind of thing, right? So it's age of micro consumption. And I will give you an example of that in our individual lives. Actually, these companies are a set of people, right? They're bigger systems, but at the end of the day, they're people. So mm-hmm. if you take a look at this iPhone or, or Android, you know, if you're an Android fan, I don't want to offend anybody. So <laughs> um, if the, the apps we love the most, they do one thing and one thing well. Absolutely, yeah. If, if an app tries to do more than two, three things, the app fails. It just, seriously, it fails. Like you do, we, we are so getting wired into this micro-consumption and micro-supplying kind of thing. The micro-consumption begs micro-production, if you will, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's, an, that's another thing. I will, I will change the release cycle at these companies. I have like I've said that many times. I've said that with the the Cube interview, and that was my biggest interview so far. I always mm-hmm. um, look back that one last year. I did that with John for you. That yeah, yeah, I, I saw that on his release way. has to be <clears throat> micro. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, so another interesting question: What do you think? I mean, AWS is the Leader, right? Probably going to be like that for uh, for a while. But uh, to some things that we previously discussed, what do you think uh, keeps the CEO of AWS up at night? What what, what what do you think he's constantly thinking about? Like, you know, we are losing customers in this area. What should we do? Or we are not as good as Azure in this. So we need to kind of you know uh, ramp it up. What do you think the CEO of AWS thinks about them? Like, what's the priority number one for him? I I, I think uh, I think one after you after you reach certain size, you always have this this fear of losing the market share or maintaining it, the rate of growth. Uh, because as you get bigger, rate of growth goes down. You know, if you if you sure. become ten times, you can grow at you know 10 percent. you know we see that at country level at personal level and everywhere right uh, if you're an athlete you know you can't improve performance like 10 percent every day right mm-hmm. all month. Mm-hmm. so at some point it gets go down 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 um but i think uh, i think the the i think the main fear should be uh that are we getting complacent at the right time like are we are we are we just resting on our laurels like are we just not trying enough uh, are we still acting like a startup or, or a new company like we're hungry are we staying hungry that's the thing right i think that is the number one fear which should be with any athlete any company any country like are we trying our best to be the best we can be right it's mainly competing with yourself. Like if you're looking at your competition, then you're, I think, you're misled, misled in a way. Honestly. And I, I actually, seriously don't. Um, you can take a look at them as a frame of reference, you know, what they are doing, but not getting intimidated by them. Or um, it should encourage you. Like you'll see some good leaders actually out there. They will always welcome a better competition. Like they want other people to do better. That's how they think. 
mm-hmm. mission driven i believe good leaders are mission driven like you know musk says like uh, he said all my technology at tesla is open source i will be happy to go bankrupt if somebody can build better cars than us he says that yeah i mean he he's awesome in this sense yeah yeah so, yeah and, and yeah. it's having that confidence and having that actually a lot of people there are a lot of people who want to be we used to have this saying written in uh, uh, graham weston was our um, chairman at drag space right i sat with him a few times and i had the luxury of sitting with him uh, or privilege actually you can say um great guy he had a quote written like in a big letters in a rack space uh, that everybody wants to be uh part of uh, a team on an inspiring mission a winning team on an inspiring mission means like people we think that people work for money but not really actually people will sacrifice some money to do great work means mm-hmm. like work which they love doing or they there has to be some mission behind it right um yeah we talked about that like before I'm, we started I'm doing right now yeah <laughs> yes that like we we started before or we started recording this like yeah i am i'm i always say that i i will take a pay cut to do the right kind of work i love doing right, right. so then you are actually then it doesn't feel like work actually also right so uh, you you need enough money to live but at the end of the day i think uh, Well, but people are different, you know. Some people mm-hmm. just chase money. Sure, yeah. Some people chase intellect. Some people chase the greater good. Some people chase, you know, I'm going to change, I'm going to change other people's lives. We're all different, right? But yep. I per- personally prefer, um, you know, if, if I can do some work which touches many lives, then as compared to if I make a lot of money, I will pick the one which can change the industry, an industry or Or, or culture rather than my household <laughs> mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm. need enough money to live yeah um i have one last question that we can actually you know use it to wrap up the discussion unless you you know have some other uh things uh, to touch on that you believe that we did not uh, discuss but kind of the wrap up question is um I always like to, you know, give people an opportunity to get some, you know, real value for themselves uh, out of uh, the conversations that I have uh, on the podcast. And assuming, you know, we have some younger people listening to that um, who are, you know, fascinated by the cloud, right? Like they got exposed to a video about AWS or they went to a conference about cloud technology and they're like, wow, I want to build my career uh, in the cloud industry. Uh, and, you know, become as cool as uh, Sarbit uh, Johav at some point, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not cool. Man. I'm just... <laughs> uh, you are humble and cool, let's put it this way. Uh, what advice uh, would you give uh, to that person in terms of what specialization should they pick? And again, you know, people like databases more than storage or, you know, more than networking or, you know, whatever virtualization. But in terms of the most interesting work, uh, the most uh, rewarding work where you can see results really fast. Um, well, let's say it's an engineer, right? And yeah. they want to work in the cloud industry. What area, what domain would you recommend them to 
you know, go really deep in, uh, you know, nail that niche, own that niche, and become one of the, you know, very few experts in the world uh, that knows, you know, that particular uh, part of S3 that, you know, only like 10 people uh, in the whole universe uh, know. Uh, what would be that, like, the most valuable area dominant skill uh, for any uh, aspiring cloud um, professional? Yeah, I, I think cloud is pretty vast, right? So the, in, in cloud, we need all kind of people, right? First of all, um, yeah, another, I will give you an example. I, to, to boost your, their confidence, who people who are just entering um, this field, it's not hard at all. The barrier to entry is low also, mm-hmm. right? You can start playing with AWS, Azure, Google and other cloud providers technology their technologies very quickly and um, yeah it's free you can get a free account and just start sure. playing with it right so another um, story I will tell is uh, by the way I don't make up stories all real stuff and uh, when we open sourced uh, OpenStack and we, we did that with NASA NASA had one component we had one another component uh, from Rackspace and we open source, open stack, which was mm-hmm. done pretty prematurely early. That's why it kind of failed. But but the story still is valid that when we were talking about uh, to NASA engineers and we were uh, having, you know, discussions and cracking jokes and stuff like that. And we said, oh, you guys are rocket scientists, right? And so like, it, it's, it must be hard. We always say that, okay, it's not rocket science, right? We think rocket science is hard. But what they told us was, that rocket science is super easy. Means like once you start doing anything, it becomes very easy. It becomes like second nature. Sure. For a runner, like running at certain speed is not that hard. If you haven't run, um, you know, you know, five miles or whatever, then you can't run thirty miles. Or you have to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. So the 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 main thing is getting started in that domain and having that confidence. And rightly so, because we are inventing all the time. It's not like some people, sometimes things will discourage you. Thinking like this can discourage you. Like, oh, all the things that have been always already invented in cloud, what will I do, right? Uh, the sharing economy is already there. Like the Uber is already there. What will I do? No, no, no. There's so much we can do. We're just starting, actually. All, you have to have that, this mindset. We all just, we're just starting this. We have to go a long way. Yeah, actually, I, I used to... I am not a movie watch- watcher, you know, so I never, like, I would rather code kind of guy. I'm like one of those. Um, but um, recently I have started uh, getting appreciation for watching science fiction movies. They kind of, they kind of let you, that mind fly out there. Like, I think that's possible. If you look at many of our technologies, they look like, you know, Star Wars movies or like we can't, we, we steal some concepts from those uh, that artsy things and if you're an art you know you can work in cloud companies to do some stuff which which pertains that if you have if you're a psychology major you can do marketing in cloud right if if um, yeah we need anthropologists like people who understand people better right at the end of the day we are selling these technologies to people mm-hmm. people are using it so far at least for the next 30 years, 40 years, we'll be selling to people, people will be buying, people sign on the contract. It's not like a robot is signing, no, no, not yet. 
So um, just don't get discouraged. Like the, many people think that technology is just coding. No, no, it's not. Like we we need lawyers um, who write SLAs uh, or the language of that. You know, like mm-hmm. so we don't get sued. Uh, we need lawyers to fight when things fight happens, like when the, when the contentions happen in contracts. We need marketers. We need um, um, event coordinators. We need all kinds of stuff, right? So, get into tech is expanding. Tech is the main sector of our, our economy, especially in in developed economies. So, um, you, you don't shy away from it. Uh, but especially in cloud, specifically, um, if you if you like instant gratification, then be a coder, you know, because you write like oh, yeah, lines of code and it's, it's like, boom, boom, boom. Like, I'm a coder. <laughs> yes, I'm a coder. But when, when I code, I forget about eating. Like I will skip my lunch mm-hmm. and sometimes even dinner till 10 p.m. Like I used to do that a lot more than now. I still code, by the way, and I just get lost, you know, in code. Um, so you have to know yourself, like what kind of personality you are. Uh, at high level, I usually say that we are two type of people, creators and operators. Some people are great operators. They love operating. They love that, you know, day-to-day consistency, but improving marginal improvements. Some people hate that, you know, they, they like, I'm doing the same thing again and again, right? Um, they not to say that there's no chance of improvement in operations, they improve that too. But some people just create and give it to somebody to operate. You know, so mm-hmm. some people build these com- these computers. They, you know, and some most of us use it, right? So we, you got to know what kind of person you are. How quickly you get bored with by doing same stuff again and again. How long you can stick to something. I think knowing your own personality helps, and you can't really know yourself unless you're surrounded by some good friends who can give you honest feedback and having mentors help in that regard. I think, um, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah, advocates, mentors, there are two different people. Mentors have some advocates and mentors. Yeah, you can read, you can Google that too, by the way, <laughs> coming back to our beginning. So the difference between mentors and advocates, um, uh, have some people around you. And at the end of the day, it's about people. Um, actually, uh, as I age more and more, more I, you know, mature more. I know that it's our people. Like, go meet people. Um, this virus thing will be over soon, hopefully. Uh, shake hand with them. Face to face meetings uh, are still. I think they, they're still very important. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, whenever you get a chance, um, uh, reach out and always ask. Nobody's going to come to you and give some stuff to you. You have to ask. And and when once you ask you will get 90 plus percent of people are willing. You will see that the 90 plus percent of people are willing to help you. Mm-hmm. But you know, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I learned a ton. It's been a really great conversation. Uh, thank you so much. Any, you know, final words uh, for the audience? Maybe something we did not discuss or any, you know, advice, tips, or just, you know, no, I think we covered most of it. Uh, keep doing the great work. Good luck with your new initiative, the new startup you have joined. And I think that's the future. I think voice is the future. Mm-hmm. Um, go help us uh, uh, build that stuff like where we don't have to touch the keyboard. Actually, my my shoulder hurts. Actually, yesterday I called my doctor. Like, my shoulder hurts. Like, 
pretty bad because I'm keep doing this with one thumb, like I'm tweeting or writing on my right. iPhone. Like we need to get out of this. Um, uh, we need to use voice for more interactions. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you guys are doing the right thing. Good luck to you. And good luck to all the viewers who are building stuff and, and good luck to all the storytellers. Uh, good luck to all the people who do our art and keep us sane and, people who produce music and movies and actually we didn't touch on that, but I am I'm a big fan of cross uh, discipline learning. I, mm-hmm. I love learning how the movies are made and why can't we make software like movies and stuff like that. So learn from other disciplines. Uh, take a oh, look absolutely. at them. Yeah. 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 And love comedy and just keep laughing, keep smiling, stay healthy. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank you, uh, Sarbit, and uh, thank everybody for joining. Uh, hopefully, you enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I'll try to uh, produce uh, the podcast episodes uh, more often than I uh, currently do. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining, and have a great day. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs>